Welcome to the Time Management Podcast with me, your host, Abigail Barnes. I'm a productivity coach, global speaker, time management author, and award-winning entrepreneur on a mission to share the 888 formula with the world and to remind you that it's your time. Leave it to me to bring you new time management tips, tricks, tools, and strategies to introduce you to guests, research, and case studies from around the world, and to give you a simple five-step process you can follow to up-level your productivity, achieve your goals, and create a life that exceeds your wildest dreams. I'm so excited that you're here, so let's get started. Oh my goodness, Simon, I am so, so, so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for making time. I know you're a very busy man. No problem. No problem. Not so busy these days because I've got great time management. (laughs) Amazing. I love it. I can't wait. Let's just dive straight in. Who is Simon in a nutshell and how have we got to where we are today? Good question. So I'll give you the shortened version. So basically, corporate career, BT, 14 years from 18 to 32. And then a bit of a life-changing event happened. Left BT, started an online business from my kitchen table, selling information products. Quickly made my first million from those. So then got invited to speak at a seminar and teach people how I'd become a millionaire from the kitchen table. That led me to being a speaker around the world on all things internet marketing. So I'd use the internet to make money. So I kind of then had a kind of parallel career with being a a speaker and a trainer on starting businesses at the same time as being a serial entrepreneur and going on to start five separate seven-figure businesses in different niches along the same time. So I spent the last 20 years making a living from the internet and sharing with other people how to do the same thing. And along the way, as Internet Business School, we've created hundreds of internet millionaires too by sharing the knowledge of all the things that I've learned. Amazing. Well, that is a super nutshell summary there. I love it. What was your relationship like with time in the past? Like you said that you worked in corporate for 14 years. So did you start your job knowing how to manage your time? Just talk us through. Yeah, so, so it's interesting that, that, that not managing time probably was the instigator of all of this in that life-changing event. So we wind the clock back to the corporate days. I was living in Kent, working in central London, and that meant my commute to work was two hours each way. So it was three separate trains just to get to my desk. And then I started off as a kind of junior, so just a nine to five, but then you get promoted to be a team leader and you're expected to work a little bit longer and then a manager and a bit longer still. So I ended up working long days from kind of 8.30 to 6, 6.30, plus the tour commute either either end of the day. Long days, and there was this thing called overtime available, which, you know, someone young with a mortgage, I was like, yeah, let's do the overtime. So I was working six-day weeks doing these long days. I didn't really have a life. I used to put a graphic up, actually, when I spoke, which was my weekly diary. And basically, if you sort of look at the the six days a week was working and that was four hours of commuting and eight or nine hours of work and that really just meant a bit of sleeping and a bit of eating apart from that and then on the one day off a week I had on that day I needed to do all the things that we all need to do just in life so that was cleaning the house doing the ironing doing the washing cleaning the car going to get the shopping because I'm so old this is pre you know deliveries to your door so I sort of made the point that really I only had an hour or two of my time to do what I wanted to do each week the rest of it was just existing. It felt like I was very much on the hamster wheel. And inevitably, all that led to an incident happened at King's Cross Station where I basically collapsed from exhaustion one day coming home from work. 
got an ambulance and they put all the ECG heart monitors on me to see what happened and why had I collapsed. It wasn't a heart attack or a stroke or anything like that. It was just exhaustion and they just signed me off for work for a week and said, you just need to go and relax and just stop. So I realised that at 32 years old, I'd burnt myself out basically. Something needed to change. So that was the catalyst for me deciding to leave the security of a day job. A little hobby, what I did was I played in a band. So my plan was that I was just going to take a year out I could live off my redundancy money, uh, be a musician for a year, have a bit of fun, and then maybe go and get a, a local job in a year's time that didn't involve a four-hour commute every day. Uh, that was the plan, but I started mucking around with the internet, made uh, an information product, started selling that online, and that started selling really well. So accidentally, I became a dot-com business owner in uh, the sort of early 2000s. But the catalyst, I guess, all of it was from running out of time and then burning myself out. That led me to start a business. And then I went from not having a job and having all the time in the world and just playing in a band, which was a couple of gigs a week, having my own business. And then I was selling first 20, then 50, then 100 products a day. So suddenly I had a whole new time management problem, which was every day I've got to manufacture 100 CDs or DVDs, write out 100 address labels, answer the phone to 100 people ordering things, drive to the post office with these big sacks of stuff to uh, to drop it in the post. So I ran out of time again as a self-employed business person. So it's interesting that I went from no time to loads of time to no time again very quickly, all in the space of probably a year. That is a journey. And you're making me think about our 888 formula when you're talking about the fact that you were sort of juggling the work the life the sleep the commute the whole shebang so what do you think just off the top of your head what do you think your formula would have been back then in the working day mine before my stroke was 14 hour days five hours sleeping five hours for my life of which two hours were my commute every day so I had three hour life yeah I don't even think I had that much to be honest because I would get home at eight half eight most evenings and then I'd be asleep by 10 because I'd be up again at half five to be on a train. So probably an hour and a half, two hours a day. And that wasn't even free time because that was preparing a meal, eating a meal, you know, opening letters that come at a day and you know, just stuff, take the dogs for a walk. So, uh, yeah, not very much time at all. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, obviously, I don't love it, but yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. So what would you say is like one thing that you'd like to share about your perspective of time? How has it change i think, I think the, the big learning point for me early on was so so i started off selling cds and dvds online and it started off with like 10 a day and that's fine i could cope with that in a couple of hours but then grew to like 100 a day and that was in a full-time job because it took me an entire day to type out 100 address labels burn 100 cds or dvds put them in jiffy bags drive to the post office so i was done so what that meant was i, I suddenly stopped creating any new products because all of my working day was fulfilling the demand where I got to so my business had gone on this like exponential curve upwards and then suddenly plateaued and was just flatlining so a massive time learning for me was not to do everything yourself and take on employee number one so I put an advert in the local job center and it was for three hours a day for admin support because I thought if I just got somebody to help me do all these address labels and a bit of the admin stuff that would free me up for three hours a day it turned out to be an incredibly good hire. I hired this lady that had got some admin experience. She'd worked in offices before. The ace up her sleeve was that she could type at 140 words per minute, and I could type at about 20 words per minute. So those 100 address labels, she would rattle through in about 30 minutes, and that would take me two, two hours plus every day just to, 
type them with my little one finger typing. And she was really organized. She was really efficient on the phone as well. She'd be like taking a phone call order at the same time as keying and address labels for something else and somehow magically processing an order as well. So really efficient. And she had some ideas to streamline the process rather than us, you know, handwriting and everything. She was putting it all on labels that then got printed straight on envelopes and things. So, and that was amazing for me because believe it or not, she was £6 an hour. This is about 2004. So don't shoot me for paying below minimum wage because it was was over minimum wage in those days. So it was £18 a day, £90 a week. And that gave me my entire life back because in her three hours a day, she did everything that I did in eight hours a day. So that was like, oh my God, I've just bought my life back for £90 a week. What a revelation this is. So I think a key lesson there or takeaway was firstly, don't try and do everything yourself because so many entrepreneurs try and you know, do everything. Because in the early days, I was the marketing department, the customer service department, the post department, the R&D department. You know, it was just all me. And as soon as I started getting other people to do some things, it frees you up. And really, as a business owner, you just want to be the sort of strategic director. That's what I see myself as. I'm really just coming up with the ideas and the strategy and just deciding who's going to do the thing that needs to be done. And I'm not going to do the thing that needs to be done myself. All I'm going to do is you know, think strategically about what sort of things should we be doing and then managing work packages for other people to do. Otherwise, you never scale when you can't grow. That was employee number one. And then as I grew, I took on more employees, outsourcers and freelance people. So really, in those early years, I was doing everything. I was making the websites and doing all the fulfillment. But very quickly, I said the phone call to a customer for 19 years, you know, so I don't get involved in any of that front of house admin answering phones all the emails to the business again another big learning point was i very quickly started drowning in emails i I got to the point where i was getting 500 emails a day and up until that point i was still doing this really stupid practice of every email that came in i was putting into a folder in my email system so i'm like oh that one goes in that folder so i was dragging the email into that folder and drag this email to that file i said email i was spending about two hours a day just moving emails in so i stopped moving emails into folders and basically put a triage system in place with every email and it's like either it's something i've got to do something with right now and i'll just do it now so if i've got to delegate that i'm going to delegate it to someone right now if it's something i need to do it went into the urgent folder and if it's something i need to do but not straight away it went into the this week folder so basically every email that came in either just stayed in the inbox and didn't get filed anywhere or i got filed in urgent or i got filed in this week or i got batted to someone else that's it that was the kind of triage over time as businesses grew i ended up having multiple seven-figure businesses the only change to that was that the the urgent needed a new level of urgent and super urgent so i just added like the super urgent which is it's really got to be done today and then the urgent was, ideally, I'd like to do this today, but it might not happen today. It might be tomorrow and then this week. And then someone else, someone else is going to do it. And that's it. So this is your own version of the Eisenhower matrix then. It sounds awesome. Yeah, I guess so. I haven't, I haven't heard of that, but yeah. <laughs> In time management, everybody's got a model. So you okay. can your own. Yeah, right. I, he probably stole that off me. When, when did he come up with that? <laughs> I don't know. I use the traffic light system, so it's probably very similar, red, amber, green. In designing your life that you're living now, it's really sounding like outsourcing and buying back your time is one of the the big secrets. So what are you deliberately excluding from your life right now? And what are you including? So what do you feel is like a secret that you're doing that other people probably aren't doing? Well, some might call it antisocial, but 
basically just don't pick up the phone. I realized that as a communications method, you know, why why talk for 10, 15 minutes on the phone when it can something can be done in a minute on an email. So right from early on, and, and I guess I realized this with customer service early on is that people were phoning up and they will give you their life story before they got to the point of what they were called for. And, you know, and I'm as an employer now thinking I'm paying someone for 10, 15 minutes to listen to this person when they just had a question, oh, could you reset my password? That was the point, but took a long time to get. I think very much I find email much faster way. In fact, and we even took this so far and, you know, some people might think this isn't customer service, although customer service now has gone AI, which we'll probably come on and talk to. But these days, it's almost impossible to talk to a human, isn't it? But even in those days, 20 years ago, basically, we put a call system on the office number. And it just said this, it said, if you have your credit card ready and wish to place an order, press one. And that went through to the office. It said, if you have a customer support inquiry, press two. And that just took them to a website to log an online ticket. And 20 years later, everyone does that and even worse, because you get a an automated chatbot and it's impossible to talk to a human isn't it these days but you could still talk to a human if i mean some people did still press one and cut through but i think things like that about saving time and, and i learn as an entrepreneur never to pick up my phone number if i don't know the number of the person calling because inevitably it's someone trying to sell you something and if you're polite you're going to be 5 10 15 minutes on that call so just saying no because you're going to let them explain who it is and what they are and you're going to say well it's not ready for me and then they're going to be oh well what if you did that and you're like well no don't really think you know it's like 10 minutes out of your life gone so i don't pick up the phone that's a big one for me i think and and even if you've got any of those friends that are what i call the time stealing friends we've all got them those people that get on the phone and they don't shut up and they take half an hour 45 minutes what I've learned to do is I only talk to those people when I'm jumping in the car for a journey of like an hour or something. Because I know I've got a dead hour that I'm not going to use for anything else. So then I'll catch up with those friends that talk for England and it's not a wasted hour. Otherwise, if I pick up the phone to them, they call me during the day. I've just lost an hour out of my day. So I think that is a, is a big one for me. And, I, and I've had feedback from people that my emails are very short and to the point. But I think a lot of successful people on those emails also very short and to the point. It's got an email from me. There's no sort of fluff like, hi, how you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And then get to the point. It's just very much the point. That's another secret, I guess. So I don't feel like I'm wasting any time. My time is, you know, it's productive time. There's not any, the old corporate life, I guess you'd call it the uh, coffee machine chat, you know, where you'd go to make coffee and end up just having a chat with someone for half an hour and 40 minutes. And now, you know, when the shoe's on the other foot and you're the employer, you suddenly think, oh, hold on a minute, I'm, I'm paying for that. I'm paying for someone's half an hour to talk rubbish at the coffee machine. Yeah, I, re I really resonate with that one because when I first started my business, I decided that drinking and having a hangover wasn't something I was going to pay myself to do. So when you have a job and, and you work, you know, it, it, it's a thing. But once I started running my own business, I wasn't going to pay myself to be hungover. So if I'm anything other than not on it, I'm, I'm disappointed in myself. That's the standard that I set. So what I'm really hearing you say is like systems and processes are paramount to your success and to, to living happy life. Do you think that your wake up call informed who you are today or are there other things? I think it's very key. I think if that hadn't happened, I'd actually resigned from my job twice before and they just bribed me to come back. They just bribed me to stay by offering me more money. And it just seemed like that was the easy option to stay in employment rather than take the risk and the punt of doing something on your own. And for anyone who's worked 
for another company. Often the longer you've worked there, the more perks you get. So, you know, I'd got to the point where I think I had 35 or 32 and a half days leave. So that was a big incentive that I was going to get paid for over a month of the year, regardless. Private healthcare, bonus, company car. So there was a lot of things to keep me there. Probably, hand on high, if that incident hadn't happened, would I have ever actually escaped? I might not have. I might still be not working at BT now. Because I tried getting out twice before and they'd reeled me back in, just offered me a bit more money. And I thought, oh, actually, I'll just stay then. I'll just stay, yeah. You sort of go, I guess we're all a bit conditioned, aren't we, to be the employee. You know, most people are employees. It's always a bit risk-taking to to jump out of that and start your own business. And I, certainly I felt conditioned from sort of family and uh, and friends that that was the route you should do and you shouldn't. You know, you don't start a business. That's crazy. So many people start a business, it fails and they lose money. So why would you risk that? And if you've got a steady job with the country's biggest or second biggest employer, I think BTO's role was only um, second to the NHS at the time. So it was like the second biggest company in the country. It's a job for life. That was a term that was often banded around. You know, I work for BT, it's job for life. And, you know, they're not shutting down. As it happens, I think when I first joined, they had 240,000 employees and now they got less than a quarter of that. So it wasn't really a job for life for an awful lot of people, but it kind of mm. felt like that. It is. The world of work has changed a lot, which mm. is what we're going to get onto AI in a minute. But before we get to that one, so many people that I speak to say that they want more time, freedom. What do you think that actually means? And having time freedom now, you run multiple businesses, you're super successful, you've trained hundreds of thousands of people around the world i mean you've spoken in absolute ton of countries what do you really feel like time freedom is from somebody who has it well i think time freedom for me is doing what you want when you want i mean another little life changing event for me was when i was 12 years old my granddad retired at 65 and then he died a few months later at 65 so i made a very conscious decision age 12 that I was not going to work till I was 65 because odds are maybe you might die within a year or two hopefully not as quick as he did but you might die very soon thereafter and and that's the bit when you're supposed to enjoy the you know that's your enjoying time isn't it so my life plan was always to retire at 50 so I was kind of always working towards that goal and I think what that meant is that where I've been successful I didn't have a lifestyle that that spent all that money I've I've always been looking to invest in assets, rich dad, poor dad, 20 odd years ago, and realized that, yeah, the key to to freedom is actually having some sort of income producing assets that you can live off so you don't need to work anymore. So I guess part of my game plan has always been that where I've been successful and I've worked some long hours in my own businesses, but I've done that, putting into motion investments and things such that I could retire at 50 and now, you know, I've still got the businesses, but other people run them. So every business has got a day-to-day manager. So I don't run any of the businesses day-to-day. Really, all I do is have a couple of Zoom calls each week as a kind of strategy call with the managers in those businesses, just steering the ship a bit. And they call me the show pony. So sometimes they wheel out the show pony to do a talk. But literally, I've done five this year. So that's in eight months. So that's not too much. And I've got one more in the diary this year. So the show penny doesn't come out very often, but sometimes, you know, for the good of the business, I still need to be out there and do some things. So I've, I've got um, a couple of speaking things that I'll do. But other than that, I've just been on the time of my life. I've been really busy with music. I've made five albums in the last couple of years of music stuff. So I've had lots of fun 
with with that lots of holidays off on uh, a trip next week on a road trip around Cornwall which would be fun and that's I think I've pretty much managed a holiday a month this year so uh yeah life is good amazing I love it so I guess what I'm hearing you say is that time freedom has just brought you the opportunity to create the life that you want so where maybe in the past when you were living in that corporate life in the world that the majority of people are talking about, you would consider retirement, but you love your life and you've set your life up in the way that you want to be living it. So there's nothing to retire from. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, I think if I, I mean, I think any entrepreneur, really, if you said, right, you're not doing anything in any of your business anymore, I think I get really bored really quickly. Yeah, if you said, all right, all you've got to do is just sit around and watch Netflix all day, every day, I'd be like, hmm be all right for a while, but then when I run out of box sets, I'll be a bit bored. So I think I'm in that perfect balance of I've still got businesses and I still have to think about businesses and get a bit involved. And that's fun. You know, to me, business has just been fun. It's like a, a game, I guess, you know, the game of business. So I still enjoy that, but it's nice, you know, never having to set an alarm clock to wake up at a certain time and just scheduling those calls, you know, when I can fit them in. And if the sun comes out today and I decide, actually, I want to go down to the beach, I'll just cancel a call if I have one booked and I'll go to the beach. You know, I've got that freedom to just do what I want to do, really. Love it. So let's get on to this AI then. Talk to me about AI and how you feel it's going to affect or is affecting already time planning. What are your predictions? How is it going to change life as we know it? Well, I think already there's some really savvy people that are getting time freedom just from using AI, maybe without even telling the boss. I know some some content creator people that, you know, are sort of, you know, in a job where they're tasked with creating 15, 20 pieces of content a week that are now secretly using ChatGPT to make those 20 bits of content for them. And they're just kind of proofreading, editing the content. And suddenly they're sort of working one day a week instead of five. And the systems are doing the other four days worth of work for them. So I think there's a lot of that going on and people realizing they can use these tools to automate so many things. I know some people that are like creative graphic designers that suddenly their work has just dried up because everyone's using tools like Canva and Canva's got a load of AI things in there now that you just describe to it in language what you want and it will make you an image. So, you you know, there are loads of great tools like that that just mean that you can get time freedom because there are tools that will do the things that we used to do that used to take hours in a tiny fraction of the time, which ultimately gives everyone more time freedom. I think there's going to be more and more of that. I think you know, so many jobs are going to be affected by AI and so many of the things that people used to do, technology can now do, that actually we're all going to get more time freedom. And, and you know, we're all heading to a four-day working week. A lot of countries are trialing that already. And it'll come, it'll happen, and it'll be a three-day working week because systems can do so many things that humans do more efficiently and for a hell of a lot less money. But what that means is we're going to have growth in like leisure industry things because if we've got three days off a week or four days off a week, we'll want to do something with the time. We're not going to sit around watching Netflix. So we're going to take up kite surfing and paddleboarding and rock climbing or we do something with our lives, you know, or we go traveling more or something. So there'll be new growth markets as well. But I think AI is going to take away a huge amount of jobs, so many jobs that people do right now in every sector are just going to disappear, which is going to give everyone something to think about in terms of what they're going to do with their time, what would they like to do with their time. So I think inevitably people are going to get more time. I think already, to be honest, people are working less hours now than they ever did. You know, the number of people I know that used to travel up to town every day, work in London, and then COVID came and they work from home. 
And many of them have stayed working from home because the employers realize, well, actually, they get as much done. We don't have to pay the office overhead. So it's better for us because we're saving the office overhead and it's better for them. And actually, they're a bit more flexible, a bit more give and take. So they'll, yeah, if something happens on a Saturday or late at night, they'll still deal with it. Whereas if they weren't at work, they wouldn't. But if they want to pop out at three and pick up the kids from school, that's fine too. So I think already people have got more time freedom than they had before, certainly pre-COVID, because a lot of people are now doing flexible working and, and not spending all that time traveling. And I think there's going to be more and more of that. I think that's the way it's all heading. So what is your relationship like with time now then? We spoke at the beginning that your formula, your 888, if you like, was all out of balance. How how are you managing your time consciously, unconsciously these days? So I mean, I, so I run a diary and in the diary, I'll put a couple of Zoom calls a week. And it's something like this. When he asked me to do this, we put this in the diary a few weeks ago. So uh, I had like today with nothing in. So that was easy. I put uh, a slide for this call. So really week to week, you know, there's only, I mean, there's, you know, it's it's kind of like five or six things in my diary each week. They're the things I need to do. So maybe I work 10 hours per week, something like that. And the rest of the time, I'm just having fun. I'm making music. I'm going out, going on holidays. So t- time isn't really a constraint anymore. It's, you know, it certainly was and has been. And, and probably, you know, in the early years, I was trying to do everything. And then as I started growing, there was still a time constraint. It was only one me and I had all these ideas for all these different businesses. But I guess now the pressure's come off me and I've got passive income stream, so I don't need to work. I think when you tip that balance of your, I guess you're earning money at a greater rate than you're spending it. And if you're earning that money passively at a greater rate than you're spending it, then it's like put your feet up time, isn't it? Because then it's like, well, I don't need to. don't need to work anymore. So I think, you know, and, and I guess as you get older, like me, your priorities in life change a little bit. So I think you start to see people that maybe people you went to school with start dying. You know, I've had several people that I went to school with have died of cancer. I'm 52 now. I can count at least five, six people that, that I went to school with that are already gone. So that makes you start thinking, I think it was a Dalai Lama had a quote about why do all the people in the Western world spend all their life building a big pile of money that they never get around to spending. And I think that's a really good thought that, you know, we're taking... You know, we're, we're all on this hamster wheel and we're chasing, chasing, chasing. But actually, what's the point? What's it all about? Because you can't take it with you. And if you've got more than you're going to spend, then why would you still be working all the hours every day? Yeah, I think it was summed up where we used to ask people, what is the definition of a fulfilled life? And one of my students actually said, it's doing things I love with the people I love. I think actually probably that's what we're all chasing, isn't it? That's what what everyone would like to do. But if you've got a job, that certainly stops you doing the things that you would love to do because you've got a nine to five. And the reason you're doing nine to five is probably because you've got to make money to pay to do the things that you'd like to do, like go on a holiday somewhere nice. So you need money to do that. So you've got to do the work to make the money. But if you, if you think about, if that's your objective in life, doing things that you love with the people you love, what do you actually need to do that? And ultimately, you need some sort of money to sustain you, to put food on the table, to pay the, to pay the bills, and to pay for whatever holidays that you want to have. But I think if you get to that point, that's the point of fulfillment for me. And I, I, you know, I see people that I've spoken at seminars with around the world, and some of them are older than me, so I won't have many names, but there's one speaker that I know that's almost 80, and he's still speaking at seminars almost every weekend and he's jumping on jets and he's flying around the world. And I kind of think, why? 
surely you've made enough money by this point. You don't need to be doing that. Or wouldn't you rather be at home with your wife and enjoying holidays and life rather than, you know, being on the red-eye flight and another hotel and telling the same old story from stage every week of your life? I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, we're all different, I guess. We're all... all I guess we all have different life purposes and callings. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your perspective of time. I think it's so useful for people to see the other end of the, the outcome of you set yourself a goal and and you have actually achieved it and you're sharing with us like what life looks like once you have achieved the goal and how time and money they're so interconnected it's brought you the freedom you can create and design what you want you can spend time on your health you can spend time with people you love doing what you love and I and it's it's so great to hear that this is an outcome of the situation so thank you so much where can people find out more about what it is that you do the training connect with you you have written a book which I have a copy of the entrepreneur as well obviously we're going to leave all of the links in the show notes but where's the best place for people to find you Sure. So the Internet Business School is at internetbusinessschool.com. And that's where you can learn about how to make money online. We've got about 50 different courses on different aspects of internet marketing. So if you're interested in learning how to do some of the things that I've done, that's a great place to start. The book is on Amazon. It's called Entrepreneur. And that's sort of my, I suppose, biography story of everything from leaving BT to setting up a business and all the learnings along the way, all the all the things that went well, things that didn't go so well. But hopefully every chapter's got a kind of golden nugget learning point or more in there that you can take away and, and learn something from that. And it's also got a lot of case studies of, of students that I taught so you can learn from what they did and how they made money too. And most important of all to me right now is forget all of that. You need to check out simon.com with two I's, which is S-I-I-M-O-N.com because that's where you're going to find my music. And you're going to find links to Spotify and YouTube and all that good stuff. And in fact, if you check out one of the songs, which is called What Really Matters, just exactly about what we were just talking about. So I wrote about what really matters in life, what we're all chasing. So uh, yeah, check out the music, give it a stream. You never know, you might even like it. Fantastic. It is such a great song. I can highly recommend that you give it a listen. So thank you so much for your time, Simon. Truly appreciate it for sharing your nuggets of wisdom with us. It has been amazing to have you here. So my friends, until next time, stay safe, stay well, and do more of what you love. It's your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to let me know by leaving a review so I can keep the good stuff coming. Come and say hi on Instagram at Success by Design Training or visit my website, successbydesigntraining.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search Abigail Barnes. Until next time, don't forget, you are amazing and it's your time.